What's up everyone? Welcome back to Off The Chain, the backbone for storytelling across builders, creators, and collectors within Web3. Each episode, we dive into how these technologists use the power of blockchain to build businesses and foster creativity. Today we've got Jonathan Moore, an investor at TCG Crypto. TCG Crypto focuses on early stage investments at the intersection of consumer and crypto and is behind some of the industry's leading companies. I met John at NFT NYC in 2021 and have been impressed by his sharp mind, knowledge of the industry, and passion for helping founders. I'm excited to bring you this episode where you'll get to see why John is considered an emerging leader in the space. Enjoy. Jamo, what's going on, man? How you doing? Doing great, man. How are you? I'm good. I'm I'm so pumped to have you here. I'm going to let you do your your introduction, but before you even do that, it's been great getting to know you over the past year at this point. I'm I'm happy to have you as a friend, a confidant, now as a guest on the podcast. So, before we even get into it, just want to say thank you for everything and uh it's good to have you on my team. Bro, I'm honored to uh, honored to be on uh, Team Haddam <laughs> and excited to chat today. That's what's up, man. Tell us, who do we got here today? You have John Moore. I am an investor at TCG Crypto. I guess you want me to get into the full, the full kind of background? Or, um... Run the background. I'll ask some questions along the way. <laughs> Let's do it. Let's do it. But yeah, I, uh, I'm like... Just really, really thrilled to be a part of this team that we have at TCG Crypto. I work with Jared Dicker and Gabby Goldberg, um, whom you may have, especially if you're in the crypto space, you may have seen on Twitter. TCG Crypto is an early stage consumer fund. We really like to partner with founders at the pre-seed seed series A stage, but we have a really specific thesis. And I think that thesis is like true to the legacy of TCG, which all kind of comes from investing in passion and thinking about what aspects of the consumer experience will really be defensive over the long term. So yeah, man, I, uh, I'm a part of the team. Prior to this, I uh, worked at Citigroup in sales and trading. I um, like right when I came out of school, I was initially a, uh, I was initially a, uh, you know, I worked on the distressed credit desk, which is like one of the more esoteric products that people can trade. Um, and while I had a good time doing that, I really, really wanted to move into the research role because I started to see at Citi like the salesman, the trader, everyone was like listening to the research analyst. They were like setting the entire point of view for like an entire capital structure. And I really wanted like these more hard defensible skills that I thought would be really transferable to accelerate my career. So um, first started on the distress desk, then was a high yield research analyst, and then heard about TCG on a podcast. I used to run an impact investing group when I was in college. So I was really familiar with like early stage, how that worked. DM someone at TCG, <laughs> three months later, got the, got the offer. Initially was just a part of the growth team there where I was helping with some of our larger investments and our thesis around content to commerce, but I was just pounding the table on crypto. I thought it was just very, very inevitable that people and crypto would see that incumbents would never fully lean in to some of these core principles that we talk about a lot in the space because it would kind of require them to cannibalize their business. So help TCG do a few larger growth deals like Dapper Labs and Zed Run, um, which we led the Series A for. And then, you know, we decided as a firm that we wanted to go earlier and wanted to really, really invest in this new stage of the, um, of the internet. So yeah, you know, that's kind of what we're doing now. Have the fun, making investments, really just living. That's amazing. And so I believe you've been at TCG since 2020. At that point, what got you so interested in crypto? Uh, when I first got into the space in, 20, in 2018, right at the Pico top, put all of my money into Cardano. I <laughs> really just like a, 
a real newbie who didn't have like much sense of what was going on in the space. But I hung around the hoop a little bit. And when I moved to New York, I had a roommate who was a research analyst at, at Masari. And I started to like learn more and more about why this technology was so transformative, why things like DeFi, peer-to-peer -peer lending, open source contribution were so important um, and could really like change the way we thought about business models at scale. And so I was like always around the hoop, but I think once I got to TCG and I started to do more deals, especially in media and content with creators, it was like more obvious than ever that the principles of crypto were like more of a moral argument and that if we could make the tech work, it was only a matter of time until we could onboard more people into the space. So I think, you know, things like NFTs really changed it for me where I was like, someone can earn royalties in perpetuity and they've never had a chance to get you know a piece of that economics but also just staying around the hoop i think that's the biggest thing in crypto and any emerging area is just stay stay plugged in that's so dope i hear a little bit of jared in you which i love there's <laughs> there's there's so many different facets of web3 so let's fast forward to where we are today you've got nfts you've got DAOs, you've got DeFi, you've got crypto as a whole and it spans across all industries where do your main interests lie currently? It's so inevitable that you know crypto has like really started to expand as we think about the, like these protocols or like these like Lego blocks that people can all like go on GitHub, fork code, right, and build in any area for. So it's really required us as capital allocators to really be like hyper intentional on what areas we want to play in. Our like point of view is more so around like. Once we really find passion, and that's the TCG thesis as well, it's like what areas are people actively doing in like in their real lives where they're not getting free money to do <laughs> and there's like a sustained level of interest and a willingness to spend. And so like I think in crypto, it's been consistent that there's a kind of this David versus Goliath dynamic. I think in a lot, some of the areas that have like seen the most promise so far, I think in music and gaming, it's obvious that there's these larger incumbents that are really limiting value creation and value capture for people who participate in these ecosystems, creators or fans. And so that's, I think, because like part of our point of view is meeting crypto um, and the consumer at, at its inflection point, you know, we've really looked at like gaming, music, NFTs so far as areas that are like really, really starting to show a lot of promise. I think we're also really excited about digital identity and on-chain contribution as other areas that we think really, really can accelerate what people are doing and how they're spending time and money online. And when it comes to consumer adoption, if you had to put your hand on one part of the industry, what do you think is going to be responsible for bringing in the next 10 to 100 million users? It's a great question. I think there's going to be a myriad of different inflection points that really help onboard people to the space. I think we really are seeing gaming right now as a really popular bet of why. And I think it's because gaming has really good product market fit with the principles of crypto, right? It's just like very, very obvious. People have spent tons of money already customizing different skins and things like that, but they've always been subject to these incumbents who at any time can change the economics of like what's going on in this game or in this marketplace. 
And so I think gaming is going to definitely play a large role in any area where we start to see the core principles of crypto really create like a material difference and how someone's going about like how they're spending time. I'm also really, really excited about just anything experiential. I think that's in, like in general, a major bucket for us, which is like, how can crypto through leveraging, you know, this, these digital property rights really allow someone to have an experience that they couldn't have before, right? How can some form of decentralization really, which is like, you know, obviously a spectrum really enable someone to do something that just was never in their, like, you know, purview prior. That could be music, that could be anything from like a, in one of our investment companies called Archive. It's a headless museum, right? Allowing people to participate and own a portion of that. So I think, yeah, there's going to be a ton of different areas. I think we're starting to see the infrastructure improve so that we can start to build more applications that can enable more experiences. But I think those are like really good places to start and look at today. You know, jumping back, you said a word that I love being intentional. And let's talk about this recent downturn, or what I like to say is a reality check, where people need to be more intentional than ever in terms of where they're spending their money, in your case, where you're allocating your fund's money. What has changed with TCG's funding and diligence process over the past few months, or has it not changed at all? I think what's great for TCG is that, you know, we've, we've remained pretty disciplined investors throughout, like even at the growth stage and now with this new fund, you know, we work with, we have a, you know, amazing managing partners, vice presidents, like a lot of amazing resources and legacy heritage at the growth side. And so when we started this new venture, it was like a critical aspect of this was really thinking about the long term and not getting caught up in like the like peaks of market cycles. And so our due diligence process hasn't changed much. I think, you know, obviously we've seen a pretty dramatic slowdown in the space. I think it's like very it's it was definitely much needed and I love that you called it a reality check because I think people really get out of touch and I think if anything we've just everyone in the space has more time to look and assess deals but I think it's like we've just continued to really prioritize you know, companies that are thinking about the long term and really thinking about helping people cross the chasm, both from Web3 to Web2 and Web2 to Web3. We really think like we'll need an intersection of both um, if we really want the space to expand out of these 30 million monthly active users on MetaMask. You know, when I read about TCG, when I talk to you, when I listen to Jared, Gabby, etc., TCG likes to make investments that are practical which of course people laugh and they say that's an oxymoron in crypto, especially when you're <laughs> investing in such a nascent industry. But what does practical mean to you? That's a really good question. For us, practical is way more so about the models than anything else. Some people shy away from investing in passionate communities or niches that might have some, be like rougher around the edges, right? Where it's like, you know, I don't really understand why someone's so excited about like chess or like so excited about surfing or so excited about cooking or like all these smaller areas that you wouldn't assume are mainstream. But for us, we really like take that concept of a thousand true fans and really try to apply it to as many sub verticals as we can because i think practicality is in some sense all around like the sustainability of that ecosystem 
right? And of someone's persistent interest. And I think if the model around passion and interest is sustainable, there's real two-way transfer of value. It's just, I think anything can kind of be practical in the space. People in crypto especially don't want to admit that a lot of what we invest in and see today is not practical. And it really is just enabling, like I mentioned, that core use case of speculation. And so I think our fund really, that's what we're really trying to prioritize, right? Is the long term. It's got to be difficult to think about you're investing in these companies that have a very long term horizon in terms of when they could potentially turn a profit for your fund. And so what's practical today may not be practical in 10 years and vice versa. And so it's just interesting 100%. to think about that word practical where the reality is like, who the hell knows what is practical because we haven't unlocked anything yet. You know, we don't have a ton of use cases that have been fully built out that are 20 plus years old. All of this industry is 10 years or younger. And the reality is the vast majority of this industry is two years or younger. So just something to think about. And, you know, another thing when it comes to sustainability, something I think about a lot, and I'd love to get your take, is in many Web3 revenue models, you see these token sales that are generating millions of dollars for an organization right out of the gate. And many times this is based off of speculation or future promise. Whereas many Web2 companies, it takes years to make this kind of money. This idea of generating continued growth, it's still very TBD for these organizations. Are these types of deals much more difficult to value and get a pulse on? Yeah, a hundred percent. I think you're you're touching on like a really, really important concept. In July, a really interesting stat, in July, there were only like two mid-stage raises in the blockchain space. So, you know, Series C, Series D, above. And the last time there were as few as two was October 2020. And that's when Bitcoin was trading at like $13,000, right? So a lot of growth stage deals have not been getting done. And I think the core aspect is the model. A lot of larger, like, you know, growth equity deals are done on a revenue model and people applying a multiple to some form of re recurring revenue. And when you look at crypto, one of the superpowers is that because it is, you know, a global network, people can speculate on anything at any time, right? 24 seven on the weekends. And you can pull liquidity from so many different pockets. And I think especially after we saw the, you know, all this quantitative easing and COVID-19 relief, it was obvious that there was so much extra capital to speculate on. And there is like a really high correlation between all risk assets. And I think that's why you're seeing the same on the reverse now where everything is still correlated and it's called kind of a macro trade, pulling everything down as we deal with higher inflation. So I think a lot of growth deals aren't getting done because there's not as much money to speculate. And it's very, it's more so obvious now than ever that your primary revenue from NFT sales is not probably indicative of recurring revenue. How do we guarantee or see any signal that people will speculate in the same way, especially before we have any form of real value that we've given them? Like you mentioned that a lot of Web2 companies have historically done. And so I think now that we don't know when that next buyer is gonna come from, it's definitely slowing, making everyone think a little bit more about risk reward. And especially on the growth side and like a little bit large further out, it's very obvious that the level of reward has shrunk and like kind of come down a good amount relative to the risk that you have to take to invest in some of these companies. TCG started in the media industry from your founders. And so, you know, again, historically, those media companies have taken years to generate this high value IP. 
Now, mm -hmm. all of a sudden, you've got people who have generated this IP as early as six months ago with a market cap, quote unquote, of $100 million. It's like, how the hell am I supposed to value this thing? And that's also very specific to the, to the world of PFPs, et cetera. But again, just something just to, to think about. I want to move a little forward in terms of your portfolio companies. And so I know you can't choose a favorite one because that wouldn't be fair, but are there any that hold a special place in your heart? Would love to know the company and, and why you care so deeply about them. One that I've kind of written about publicly is Alter State Machine. We led the series series seed round in ASM. And just for, for, for listeners who might not be familiar, ASM is an immersive platform for building, training, and trading kind of AI agents using NFTs. So the company's like the whole, the whole kind of mission is to democratize access to AI technology um, and to, to kind of remove the need for like AI or ML like learning and really just give people more power around how their data can be used in the quote unquote metaverse. I think the metaverse just replies to anything kind of on chain where you can kind of control your data. Um, I heard, you know, a few people identify that the metaverse is just your wallet. It's just a place where you can go and plug in and connect to different decentralized applications. But uh, ASM holds a special place in my heart because I think it's a critical part of the creation of this like fair and open metaverse. You know, we see what like a lot of incumbents like Facebook and other people are doing to really try and bring crypto and the power of um, NFTs into their business models um, because they see how powerful it can be, especially for thinking about maximizing the gross profit of like your what your reaction with the consumer relative to like gross margins. I think a lot of people, especially in consumer businesses, are like, how can I max my margins every single time I interact with someone? But we see it in like Costco's and a lot of really, really cool examples where membership is important, where it's way more so about like the long-term relationship with consumers and how you can really ensure that there's like a sustainable kind of feedback loop between what you're like the content and the commerce of these businesses. And so ASM is just like a really, really important way that I think we're going to set up the right pillars for a metaverse going forward where people can le leverage like algorithms that power so much of what we do today but for the in their own personal lives and they're going to have a game coming out soon called aifa which is like a soccer play uh game and i think it's going to be you know really really interesting touch point of how blockchain gaming can really interact and, and like escalate going forward i mean a lot of other really really cool use cases were you searching for a type of profile of company that asm fits or did they come to you and they got on your radar and you started doing due diligence about what they could provide for the industry? I was searching for ASM. And I think that's something maybe I could have mentioned earlier is that TCG, what like one critical aspect about us is that we're really thematic with how we source deals and how we view the world. We're constantly spending time internally thinking about where we think things are going to go in the future because the future and change are what impacts price. The present is not what impacts price, right? And so we're all really like thematic. And so so as we started to see this whole PFP rave, it was increasingly obvious, right, that crypto punks were this core aspect of like the like you know OG NFTs, giving people some sense of true ownership. Board Ape came along, right, giving people CCO, really enhancing what ownership might really mean. But then it was like, where are we going to take this going forward? And I think the key aspect with NFTs that we really were discussing is that it's not that we necessarily need more primitives, but we need more models 
Uh, and ASM was a beautiful mix of a new AI NFT primitive and a new model, how we can use test this technology at scale. So once I found it, I like DM'd the founder, like emailed, hustled, and uh, really, really lucky to get that one across the line. Can, can you actually educate me on primitive and model and what you mean by that? Yeah, most definitely. I think, um, you know, like ERC 721s um, or 1155s are both, I think, primitives within crypto that speak to like like different ways that people are using technology. When I when I talk about models, I'm talking about how people aligned these like primitives with their with how they're going to generate revenue, right? How they're going to sustainably actually like bring value into their ecosystem and exchange value. Uh, back to their consumers. That's like kind of that core aspect. And I think if not enough companies align the business model with the tech they're actually using, because it, I think it becomes very obvious in hindsight that it's, it might not be sustainable if they're not one like really correlated. You know? I was nodding my head throughout that going, ah, oh, yes, now I get it. Thank you for that. Makes sense. Um, <laughs> okay. So uh, what's an area in Web3 that you're dying to invest in more, but you're just not seeing the right companies yet? For us, you know, we're really excited about the convergence of a lot of new technologies. Um, I think that's a critical aspect with any kind of techno technological revolution is not only what's maybe going on in one silo, but how it relates and how they're all combined. So I think I'm loving, I'm really, really excited to see more companies that are building in VR, AR, and really thinking about how crypto makes sense with that other tech. That's like definitely a big, big area. Another area that I'm really trying to figure out and spend more time on is Web3 Social. Social is clear, like we've we've seen the the rise and how powerful it can be over the last decade plus. But crypto uh, still has to figure out what role social is going to play because there's so much friction in crypto today. The rails are starting to become like much more uh, apparent. We're seeing L2s take a larger percentage of Ethereum transactions because to really max out the current like capped capacity we're seeing for transactions per day, which is really powerful, right? But we're definitely still in that infrastructure phase where it's really early for a lot of applications. And social would be so powerful in Web3. Once we understand what the true value proposition is, that aligns with the primitives of crypto. It's, it's funny you bring that up because this weekend I was playing with the Lens Protocol, which is this composable and decentralized social graph, pretty much allowing you to create your social profiles, be able to get followers, and then depending on uh, which platforms you want to use that are on the Lens Protocol, being able to bring those followers with you. And humans were just so not used to that. It's you got your TikTok followers, you got your Instagram followers, you got your Twitter followers. And the idea of bringing them with you where you go, once the average consumer can sort of understand that. And I even think once influencers understand that, you know, the reality is the average consumer, they only have so much weight that they can pull. They only have so many followers. But if you're mm -hmm. an influencer on TikTok and you've got a million followers and you've got to all of a sudden restart on this new platform, it's very time consuming. So being able to use a protocol like Lens to be able to bring those followers with you where you go, it's incredibly powerful and something I'm personally excited about as well. Let's, let's shift to one of my last topics that I wanna talk about is the fundraising experience. So anyone who hasn't fundraised before and even people who have, the world of venture can really be a black box. Let's talk about early stage companies, pre-seed, seed, at what point of a company cycle should founders start to develop relationships with VCs? That's a really important point that we're only starting to, I like, 
I think is so like really misunderstood still in the space. I think it's personally, I think it's appropriate for founders who have like organic connections and relationships to reach out to VCs, you know, very early on. I think, especially in their journey, because I think a lot of making bets in early stage companies are really assessing like who are, who's, what's this partnership going to look like? Who is this individual? I hear, I hear what you're selling me. I hear what you're working on. Who are you as a person? And why do you make sense as like, why are you kind of uniquely identified to go chase this opportunity? Um, so I think there, you can kind of start to form relationships early on. I think it's important though, to always lead with like context and clarity of where you're at in the process. If you're not looking to raise, why you're not looking to raise, but why you might want to start to like build a relationship. Because the more touch points VCs have of who you are and what you're building, the better position you will be to get funded. I also think it's important to understand, like I think we saw a, like a kind of a, a like phase of this, especially during the pandemic when everyone had a lot of excess capital, where you know people were raising from a hundred different people, and it was all crowdfunding all the time. As we're starting to see, you know, the crypto industry and people, who are especially founders in this space, there's a lot of obstacles and there's a lot of things that are very difficult about building in crypto. It's incredibly hard just to build on blockchains, let alone to build a consumer application that is also going to go onboard all these new people to the space. So it's important that you're really thinking about who's gonna be across the table from you outside of just capital. And I think a lot of people promise a lot of stuff, but I really would urge founders to do reference checks and to under, really understand what's the value proposition of some of these funds and what can they really provide me. I think it's just important to always leave a context of where you're at, why you're looking to raise or not raise, um, and to be transparent about that as you discuss with VCs. But I don't think any of us bite. I think people can reach out. <laughs> Let's say I'm an early stage founder. Why do I want TCG Crypto on my cap table? Love that. I, for anyone, well, I want. I want to know why I want uh, John Moore on my cap table. But we'll we'll go we'll go <laughs> TCG. Why, why? I've got all these investors coming to me. Why do I want to go TCG Crypto? What are you bringing to my company? TCG Crypto, outside of capital, you know, we are a lot of the fund. We're legacy operators. When I look at the broader TCG ecosystem, the network that we have of operational talent and partner things like you know resources for partnerships, I think is really second to none. So we really, really can help people understand and think through building consumer businesses, what that means on, on, from top to bottom, from like hiring to your tech stack, to your go-to-market, to how you're thinking about distribution. We really want to help operationalize what someone's working on because we have a really, really deep bench with a lot of operational talent and expertise. So if you're coming to TCG Crypto, if you want someone who's going to be in the trenches with you, who you can message at 2 a.m. on a weekend, who will you know, take the time to really, really participate. I think that's also why TCG and TCG Crypto teams to lead more deals than not, because we really, really value a partnership. And we're like really, really serious when we you know, sign the term sheet and really start moving forward. So from us, you can really get, guarantee someone who's gonna be available to leverage all their resources and to help you build and operationalize a consumer business. I should have probably ended with that question because I love that answer, but I got one more for you. And this may be a bit industry specific, but for the early stage companies that you're investing in, how much does user growth matter versus revenue growth? And is there a metrics that you're focusing on more? That's a good question. Right now in crypto, we're still in this era that I think is similar to like 2000s.com where people are looking at, they're, they're trying to figure out the right KPIs. What, what are the inputs that really matter? And back then, you know, people were looking at like clicks 
as something that was like very important for the success of a company, um, when in reality it was more, way more so about like click-through rates and conversion, the ability to get people further down the funnel. And so I think right now in Web3, too many people are, and too many founders are obsessed with like token price or floor price for your NFTs. User growth is one of the strongest indicators, especially really high retention, not incentive driven user growth is like incredibly high signal of like a really strong business that is enabling a new experience that you just could not get in Web2. I think that's a critical aspect of what is important here because we see it all the time, man, with so many of these KPIs. Like I think a good example right now is Arbitrum. That ecosystem is really, really interesting. But if you look and it's like starting to grow, the number of transactions are massive relative to what they were just a few months ago. But so many people, right, are, that's a lot of mercenary capital. A lot of people are chasing that for an airdrop, right? So that's where they're starting to do more stuff on Arbitrum. So I think it's a mosaic of KPIs in crypto. And it's important to understand while revenue growth is huge and really important for funding, especially when you're dealing with an early stage company, you're really trying to find that product market fit. And sustainable cohort of users, I think, is a much stronger long-term signal than just the ability to bring forward some capital that's what's up, dude. Jay, this was awesome. I'm so glad you joined the podcast today. <laughs> dude, really, really appreciate you having me on. You're a legend, Dylan. I'm hyped to hopefully see you soon in New York. Dude. Of course. We'll do, a, we'll do a more casual goodbye off camera. But for now, dude, thank you so much. I'll talk to you soon. Have a great one, bro. Peace. Peace. That's it, everyone. Hope you enjoyed. Hit that subscribe button and we'll see you next time.